Welcome to Miss V, the Storyteller Podcast. This podcast is for anyone who loves a good story. I believe in the power of stories and how they have the potential to change our lives for the better. On this podcast, I will bring you amazing stories and amazing guests. These stories will make you laugh, cry, think, heal, and in some cases, propel you into making new and better choices. So let's get started today with some stories. Welcome to Miss V, the Storyteller Podcast. You guys know that I go and I try to find the best guests to come on the show. You know that I'm a storyteller, so I love anybody who has a great story, but the story needs to be able to help us. And so today I have Diane with us and Diane is going to share a story with us and Diane is going to give us some information and help us. So I am so excited to have her. So Diane, please tell us a little bit about yourself before we start sharing stories. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I'm very excited to be here today. I am a full-time working administrator in local government. I live in Saskatchewan, Canada, so we have some lovely weather right now. It's going to get chilly soon. I'm a mom of twin girls who have flown the nest uh, I'm an author of my book, Silently Said, A Journey Through Illness and Addiction. My author name's Diana Lee, um, married for 20 years. I, I've really dove deep into reading, learning all about addictions, um, trauma, specifically childhood trauma. And my book will weave you through uh, an emotional journey of my childhood where I did go back to that uh, I'll call it wreckage and I was able to find the diamonds within the ashes uh, which many of us do experience when we're kids so that has kind of been my my work the last few years is getting to know myself I was always busy getting to working on becoming a version that people would like and I decided maybe I'm the I'm my own measure if, if I like me then the right people will align with me um, and the other ones fall away. So I'm just working on book two. I was working on it this morning. Uh, it's called Silence Breaks a Journey Home. So that will give you a little more uh, kind of finish up book one. So it's been a my healing journey. Writing is the way that I, that I write my world. If I put it on paper, I can't deny it. If it's just in my mind, I can put it out of my mind. But as soon as it's on paper, it is, it is real. And um, yeah, it was something that I really needed to do to heal. So thank you for the opportunity to share it. Yes. Thank you so much. You know, guys, that I believe in the power of stories. I believe how they connect us and they make us grow. They help us to grow stronger. Sometimes it helps us to heal from our past, as you were saying, going back in and revisiting those things that we didn't really deal with. But when we share our story and when we realize and we learn from those stories and we share with others, it helps them. So today, Diane is going to share a story so we can get a, get to know a little bit more about her. So Diane, what story are you going to share with us today? 
So the story that I'm going to share is a little nugget in my book. Um, it's a chapter about when I was five years old. Um, well, the story is in there. I'm not going to read the chapter, but I was five years old and I, I really wanted to go to school. Um, and my I'm the youngest of four siblings. So when I finally did get to go to kindergarten, um, I, I got some homework. My, my task by the teacher was to go and find the big and the little dipper. And we, I was raised on a family farm. My dad was an alcoholic. We were left in the, uh, to care for my mom who got sick when I was nine months old, but she was still at home being cared for at that point. And she couldn't walk. Um, but our home, home was your standard old farmhouse, two stories, two bedrooms, sloped roof upstairs. And my brothers and, and my sister and I all had our rooms up there. So my brother's bedrooms was to the north. So we went over there. And all four of us kids were upstairs and my mom's kind of hollering, but she did actually, um, the disease that she had, she lost her voice as well. So she couldn't really, it was just more sounds. She was making sounds, but we ignored her and, uh, and she managed to get herself determined mother, as we know how mothers can be to her children. She, she got halfway up the steps, uh, to the upstairs and fell backwards so, you know, my one brother goes into action with getting my mom's wheelchair. Another brother goes into action calling the bar. He was always the one that had to call the bar. And keep in mind, I'm five. The oldest uh, brother then, oldest sibling would be 11. Uh, my sister kind of turtled. She always kind of tunneled in. She was an, um, fearful. So we were all in various actions of fight, flight, or freeze. And for me, it was comfort. I was comforting my mom, you know, I was holding her hand and I was crying and she was crying and we put her to bed and my dad didn't actually end up coming home that night. So there's moments in life that kind of have, they are ingrained in your brain. And I've talked about this story with my siblings and they, they remember it. And actually our version, our accounts are, are pretty much the same because memory can be tricky sometimes. Um, and I really stepped up to the plate as a caregiver for my family. Um, I could only do so much for my mom. I would feed her. Um, she had to use it. You had to use a syringe and mix her food a certain way. So it was all pureed um, because actually her brain was atrophying. So it was shrinking and the doctors didn't have any answers. And she was 26 when she was diagnosed. So she would have been 31 when this happened. And I became this caregiver and this, this role just took over this little Diana. And just recently I read something about doing an exercise where you enter a room, close your eyes and pretend you're entering a room to your younger self, right? And have a little conversation with them. And then when you close that door, take note, how old were you? So I, I did it and, and I am five-year-old Diana because I'm kind of got lost in translation between my dad, his addictions, the farm, and him relying on me as more of a wife role because I did a lot of the cooking and the cleaning. And then, um, you know, being the caregiver to mom and then trying to keep the pack of siblings going in a direction, but I'm the youngest. So I often got teased that, you know, the youngest is spoiled, but. I, I guess sometimes our personalities come through mm -hmm. and we we step up to the plate 
And that's what I was kind of talking about when I did my little intro there is going back to that time. And, and that's why it's been, it's been good to write the book, but very hard because when you go back to those moments where it, you felt that tragedy and you feel it as an adult and you imagine your own kids going through that experience and you're so grateful they didn't have to, but it's a real mixture of emotion. And so it's painful, but I know that so many people are hurting and they just want to be heard and understood. And I feel like the more that I'm like you, I, the more I share my story, the family story, the more people are saying, you know, I get it, me too. And and they have something similar. So what happened in your story as far as once you began to take care of your mom? So I, I, I just, when I took care of my mom, so I picked her up, or my, my brothers picked her up, we put her to bed, and we just stayed with her in bed until my dad came home the next day. Um, and we were scared of our dad, you know, he was, he had his own baggage. And of course, I didn't understand that, but I knew I was afraid of ever disappointing him. Right. So we always did what we needed to do for our mom. Um, but in terms of dealing with my dad, I, I never called him out on any of his issues till I became a teenager, which is when most of us kind of start to figure out maybe this isn't normal. So, you know, when I grew up, we had a very strained relationship for many years, but through doing the work of healing some trauma and understanding addictions, we did eventually get to a place where uh, there was some peace and there was some understanding. He used to be terrified of me publishing my, uh, you know, my book. He thought I was going to paint him as a monster, but you know, book one, I am that younger person. So you do see the strain between us. But book two will give you the gift of seeing, I see him as a whole person and not as, you know, a judgment. When I was in my early 20s, this book ends off when I'm 25. When I was in my early 20s, I was out to prove something, right? Like I was out to be a better caregiver because actually my sister also gets sick when she's 26 and I become her caregiver at 24. So caregiving I've kept close company with and and it's a it's something that people I don't think talk about enough because the caregivers need just as much sometimes more support than the person who's you know fallen ill. Yeah so I, I can relate 100% to what you're saying as far as a, a caregiver. And I'll give you a little bit of my story as far as being a caregiver. My mom got sick and I, and I ended up being a caregiver for her. And it was very difficult. I'm not the youngest, but I'm number three. So you can only imagine as you actually been through when you're not the older, the older ones, how difficult it can be because everyone expects the oldest one to be the one because they are supposed to be more mature. They are supposed to be able to handle it. And then you go down and I'm number three and you're number four. It's like, so I I went through a lot of different things with her, but in my particular case, it was during the pandemic. So it made things even more difficult taking care of her because 
you know, doctor's appointments, taking her places and doing all this when the world was shut down, it was extremely hard. And trying to get help for her was even harder because no one was in the offices. People were working from home. And then when you call, they would transfer you to someone else. I mean, there was one particular thing we were trying to get my mom. Um, we needed to get her tested. And because the world was shut down, how could we do it? And so I kept going back and forth, back and forth. And I got so frustrated. Long story short, I end up calling Richmond and I'm in Virginia. So I end up calling the capital of our state to find out what could I get done for my mom because people didn't stop getting sick with other ailments during the pandemic. Yes, people, you know, they were catching COVID and all that, but there were still other ailments and other things that were going on in people's lives that needed to be attended to. And so basically someone called me from Richmond and I am so grateful that she did. She were, she was calling me for one particular reason. And as we were having our conversation on the phone, I ended up sharing with her something else. And immediately she jumped on that something else and said, I am going to help you. And I am so grateful to that lady because that was not the intended phone call. What happened was some paperwork that was sent. It was, I don't know if I did it incorrectly or I didn't quite understand. So her, the purpose of her call was to help me to understand the paperwork. But as I was sharing with her why I did the paperwork the way I did, it opened up something else and it was exactly what I needed. She said, I'm telling you, I want you to write this down. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And then I want you to do this. And I'm going to tell you, your mom is going to get the help that she needs. And let me tell you, she was so spot on. I did everything she's I did everything she's told me to do. And what they ended up doing is doing it over the phone, the test, everything that she needed. They were able to do it via um, FaceTime because they were able to see her. They were able to ask her questions. They were able to do what they needed to do to get at least an assessment so that they can put other things in place. So I understand 100% what you went through. I also understand when you talk about your father, you know, you know, him having his issues and you not being close. I was the same way with my father and it didn't take until we were an adult for things to get a lot better because I didn't understand. I'm like, I couldn't understand some things, but then I had to realize that my dad, that was who he was. And I had to accept him in all his ways, whether I agree with it or not, that was just the way he was. And if I accepted him the way he was, I expected him to accept me the way that I was and not try to make me into something else so that he will be able to deal with me. I guess, I don't know if the word deal is better, but that was a journey for me. So also, I agree with you going backwards and looking at your past and just reflecting and it helps us out so much. That's why I love stories. That's why I love sharing stories because they are so powerful. They are part of our past. So in your particular story, when you had to take over and start taking care of mom, dealing with dad, was your siblings on, you know, helping you out or did they all turn and say, 
Diana, you take care of everything and you tell us what to do. Hey friends, it's me, Miss V, the Storyteller. Did you know that I offer online classes and one-on-one -on -one consulting to help with branding and business owners to use the gift of storytelling to increase revenue and clients? For more information, visit my website at MissVTheStoryteller at GoDaddySites.com. All right, friends, I'll see you in class or one-on-one. Bye. It was interesting. So when we were young, we were a team. All four of us were a team. Very close. We, we formed what I would call a trauma bond, which has been a little bit harder to navigate as adults uh, because we we went through so much. You think we would still be super close. And, and I love my brothers. Um, because actually that's all I have left. Um, and when I was a kid, my brother Aaron had a, took a leadership role as the oldest. My, my second brother, Chris, he was always the brave one. So he was the one stuck with calling the bar because everybody else was too afraid. My sister tunneled in and pushed it all down. And then I filled in all the places and, and kind of managed between personality conflicts, um, keeping my dad kind of calm. I would be his ear. Everybody helped on the farm. Didn't matter if you were 10 years old, you're in the tractor <laughs> doing something. Um, and, you know, everybody's role kind of shifted as adults. Um, my oldest brother took over the family farm. He took a lot of financial responsibility for my dad. Um, my second brother left home younger because him and my dad had a very tumultuous relationship. So that was toxic. He did what he needed to do to, to make him himself feel better. My sister got sick. So I took care of her until such time as actually she went back to to live with my dad for a while and I hired caregivers for her. Um, the government in Saskatchewan had a plan where you could, it was a funding for families that could get caregivers into the home for a bit. So I did that until I had my twin girls and then it was time to put her in care because she was kind of going back and forth between houses. And it was just, it was hard because this disease is extremely rare. There's one other family in Poland. And so with the healthcare end of it, I took over all of the responsibility with anything to do with that. Um, when my mom was getting worse, you know, I, I knew I, I, it really hones your instincts when you work with the nonverbal people or even the confused people who have dementia because my father-in-law has dementia. Um, you have to do, it's like you have to do the thinking for them and understand what they're trying to tell you. Um, for my mom and sister, there was no speaking for a long time um, other than maybe a couple of words, but for my mom, you know, for quite a number of years. So you really had to hone in on that sixth sense. And I use that to kind of guide me through the caregiving part of um, what the actual needs would be for my sister and for my mom. I was a little bit scared of my mom as well when I was little because it just, you know, when you're little and there's a wheelchair and then there's catheter, like 
all of these things. I had really severe childhood asthma. Interesting uh, sidebar here. Gabor Mate has done some research. He's a Canadian physician um, who's written many fabulous books on trauma. And he talks about having higher cortisol levels in children and that higher cortisol levels usually lead to things like childhood asthma. Mm -hmm. uh, women have the highest autoimmune diseases uh, by far compared to men, but we also take the burden of caregiving. So this is the importance of going through your past or maybe even your present and kind of sorting through how to help yourself. So I was busy dealing with everybody else's pain and I wasn't really realizing the level of stress I was under. Then I had my own babies and of course that's caregiving and, and that was different because, you know, they're babies and they're my own babies and and that was a very busy time. But in the meantime, I'm making decisions and dealing with the government and the doctors. And we had to go out of province uh, seven hours away to get any sort of health care for my sister uh, because the specialists were all in Calgary, Alberta. And it was just a actually it was a very chaotic time. And now when I go through those times, like writing book two, you'll get some closure on some situations that had happened in book one but in book two I, I look back and I'm just kind of surprised at all of the things that a young person can handle uh, that a young family can handle and and yet I feel so grateful because I'm grateful for where I am in life um, and the the stats don't lie when it comes to if you go through childhood asthma before the age like seven and earlier you have a greater chance of, of addictions and somehow all of us, we had some pretty strict discipline, but we managed to get through. Okay. There was, there was a lot of different things that my dad tried to do such as, you know, we always went to church on Sundays and there was some faith in our life and we always lived in the same home. So there was some stability with having a home. I mean, you really look and you peel back what you, the core things you need, the basics that you need. It's surprising how much we think that we need that we actually don't need. So there was a lot of really good lessons there. And through that's, watching, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say that's good. Um, I, I love what you were talking about because I, I wanted to talk about if you had support from your siblings. And I'm glad that you did because. Um, you said that, you know, each person had something that they were. And that's kind of what we did with my mom. Um, I took over the medical part of it because I had worked in the hospital for some years. So I knew a little bit more. And um, one person took on the finances, another person put on, you know, housing and all the different things. So having support is a great thing. But a, a question that I wanted to ask you, we're going to talk about your book a little bit um, in a little bit. But one of the things I wanted to ask you, um, once you came out of that, you know, what was the lessons that you learned personally? You know, when you look back, because there's a lot of things that I learned. There are some things I wish I had have done differently. There are some things that helped me to be stronger and a better person. When I look back at it, everything that went on, I learned some really good things that I help that I do now to make sure that I'm a better person. That's a great question. I've never been asked that. So I really like that one. 
I learned empathy, right? Empathy for others. And that don't just look at the situation on the surface value. So when somebody comes, you know, it's terrible on social media because everybody looks like <laughs> their life is perfect, but perfect. you darn well know darn well know that Susie's having a really hard time with a child or or a marriage or something like that, but we don't see that a lot of the time. Um, so the empathy comes into understanding the person as a whole. So if I find myself in a difficult situation now, because my dad had such an aggressive personality, it can be a trigger point for me. So I was able to now get curious about, I understand that that personality type triggers me. So I'm like, okay, but what's their story, right? Yeah. And from that curiosity, I'm like, I can remember, like if I, if I know the person somewhat, can be like, oh yeah, this happened to them when they were young. And we may be playing out that scenario with different faces right here. <laughs> and, and another good thing that I learned is when I was, when I was in a workplace that was really toxic, um, I was kind of being the victim, right? Having the victim role. And a lot of the time as kids, we heard a lot of, you know, oh, it's too bad you don't have a mom and all of these comments. And so you kind of slide into that victimhood out the gate because, you know, the fact is you don't have a, a mom that's there that's able to care for you, but you still have a mom. Anyways, what I found is going through relationships, um, particularly coworkers, my last workplace and, and friendships, is that I was playing out the roles that I had played with my dad with wow. certain people. And once I left the workplace I was at, I had a bit of a, I think I had a couple weeks in between starting my new job. And I took some time and I journaled because I was not in a good place mentally. And so I started journaling again and I started seeing a pattern. This person, I peel back her face. Then there's another person, peel back that person's face all the way through the years because those same personality types kept coming to me and until I found my dad and I went ooh, that's kind of meaty right that means something yeah. so it wasn't until I made that core connection between little Diana and all of the personalities that allowed me to not only play victim but cause me great distress mentally was I able then to heal it with my dad? Because I'm like, okay, I got to get to the root of this. It's like a dandelion. You pull it all the way out, right? Mm -hmm. So when I pulled that out, I allowed myself to see my dad as a person. And how would I have handled what he went through? How yeah. would I have, you know, managed with four kids and no crop and, you know, the bank threatening bankruptcy, like threatening to take the farm away, his only way of life, the farm that he inherited from his dad. Like, there were a lot of moving parts that I didn't understand as a kid. I mean, I knew we had no money. There was, you know, there was many times there was no food or the, or the power was turned off, the phone was turned off, whatever. And you were always busy making excuses. So I really learned, you know, don't judge a book by its cover, even though, you know, we try yes. to get a good, good cover for you. Um, and just to have that empathy and compassion for people, because everybody does have a story. Everybody. Everybody. And 
It's so interesting. Somebody said to me recently, I was having a, a girls weekend at the lake and someone said, you know, oh, you know, these people seem to have it all together. They're, you know, 22 and 24 and they're doing these great things and, you know, must be nice, almost a little envious. And I just simply said, you know, everybody will have their cross to bear, whatever that is, you know? Yes, they that is so true, everyone. And I love what you said about having empathy because when I look back on all of that, one of the things, just like you said, I had to look at the people and I, it helped me to understand people a little bit better and to give people grace. That, that is, is one of the things just to give them grace and don't judge so quickly. And just like you were talking about, you know, we see people and we're thinking that they are perfect, you know, that they don't have anything, but they do because everyone goes through something in their lives. We may not see it. That's the only way that we can grow, improve, and to get better. And I'm glad that you look back and you said, you know, you you really look back and learn some things. And I think people miss that when they go through something, trauma or anything. If you don't go back and look and try to figure out the lessons you learn, you miss out on a lot. But I also wanted to ask you um, one other thing because we're going to talk about the book. But I wanted to know when... What made you decide to write the book? Was it something specific? There's something in like you, because I'm I'm a journal. I journal too and all that. And I have a book and all, but I want to know what happened that you said, you know, I'm going to write a book because I think maybe it would help someone. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that's why, one of the reasons why, because in hopes that it would help someone. Yeah. So it, it's actually kind of interesting as well. Um, I started writing this book in my early 20s. I'm 45. I published it when I was 44. So I held on to it for a long time. But there are some stories in here that no one knew. Like, wow. no one. In fact, I published it without telling one person initially about the story tell some, you know, someone close to them called me and said, you know, they're going to read the book. They should probably... You, you need yeah. to tell them. It's like, oh, and it's a really hard chapter. Um, and so I phoned them and I told them and I was so afraid. I'd just gone through McDonald's parking lot, grabbed a coffee cart, <laughs> been at the dentist. And I knew I had to face this dark demon that had been sitting in me. But um, so I told them and, you know, they had they had empathy for me and held me with some grace so there was a lot of fear with um, wow. publishing the book because it's like I kind of attributed it as to running down naked, uh, running down the street naked. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> it's very vulnerable. Very anybody who's published a book will agree it's a very vulnerable experience. You're leaving yourself to be judged. So I had to do a lot of inner soul work huh. in order to get to the place where I could handle not only the judgment, perhaps but also truly and authentically receive other people's their joy for me and allow that to wash into me and over me because I was so busy trying to please everything, everybody else that this book being that it started, you know, 25 years in the making when I sat with it and I would say, I'm going to publish it. I'm going to publish it. And I did that for many years and I pulled the trigger on it. 
uh, last, it would have been January of 2022, it was kind of like, you know what, I, my kids are leaving home. And I felt when you're an empty nester, there's a whole array of uh, grief. There's different types of grief in the world. When they leave home, for some of us, it's, it's pretty significant. My girls left at the same time. And then there was no kids at home. So we got a puppy. But <laughs> anyway, I had time. I knew I would have time. I didn't um, foresee where this book was going to take me. So it's I really wanted to be an engaged mom to my kids. And I knew publishing it too soon would take me away from them. And Did you feel like it once you got it out there, once you went and talked to the person that you needed to let them know about it, did you feel like there was a weight, like a, a free, you know, like a like, whoo, it's out there and now I'm going to just let God, the universe just go? There was, yeah, there was a euphoria almost. I've only ever experienced that sort of feeling a few times in my life where it's like I was like this this book was, I was impregnated with it for so long. And so then when I, I let it out into the world, I felt liberated. Yeah. You know what it did is that now when I find myself in difficult situations, maybe with, with someone, I feel like I'm not scared okay. because this, this book was the scariest thing besides raising twins that I've ever done. And so I, I, I gauged myself and say, okay, you've done harder. You've done scarier. Yeah. And if you have to sit and have a difficult uh, conversation with someone and you have to set a boundary, then that's loving you. And that's okay. Just get really clear on what that looks like for you. And also be open to listening to their side and seeing if there may be a compromise um, that can be achieved. But for the most part, it was just a absolute high. Um, and it didn't matter to me if it sold no books. It didn't matter because it wasn't about, it's like that, you know, they always say it's not about the goal or the destination. It's about the journey to get there. That's exactly it. It's about the journey to get there. And being that I got there and I crossed the finish line and I was able to show my kids hey, you know what? You can be 44 and still achieve your dreams that you set out when you were uh, 18 years old. And that was a big push too, right? I wanted my kids to see that, you know, if mom can achieve her dreams, maybe I can. And they've got the whole world in front of them at 19 years old. So I wanted to be that example to my kids. Oh, I think that is great. And I love what you just said about it. I think we put age numbers on everything. And I think we learned that from the world but it's just a number, you know, your number may not be the same as someone else's. And I, I, you know, you can become whatever you want and it doesn't matter your age. If you have that go-to to do it and to get it done, yes, it can happen from you. So please tell us the name of the book, where we can get it from, because I'm, I'm sure everyone is curious. It's like, okay, we've been talking about a book. So please tell us, uh, for those of you all who are listening, you're going to have to go look at the video so that you can see the cover of the book, which is beautiful. But go ahead and tell us, you know, the name of the book, where we can find it, social media and all that. Sure. So my book is Silently Said um, by Diana Lee. This is actually my family farm on the cover. I took this uh, picture when I was 17. The story about the pictures in the book. So hopefully you get a chance to read it. 
and uh, understand the whole meaning behind the cover. Um, it, it chronicles my life story between the ages of pretty much nine months old when kind of everything hits the fan in the household until the age of 25. And then the next one, I believe it's going to be the Northern Lights is going to be my cover. Silence Breaks the Journey Home, hopefully out this fall. I was working on it this morning. Um, yeah, this book takes you through a very traumatic experience, but with some really heartwarming uh, notes in there as well. As an author, I'm a reader. So when I read books that are too heavy, sometimes I get really down, right? It's really heavy for me. So I added in some really good childhood stories, which a lot of people are finding that they relate to. Um, I've been touring schools across Saskatchewan. I've been going and doing corporate keynotes all around. Like it's been, like I said, I didn't realize how well the book would be received. Um, it, it pretty much is just a painful journey of childhood trauma and um, what how you can navigate through mm -hmm. things, even when you're young. Um, it's surprising. When my kids were young, they had some, some responsibilities. And, uh, you know, that was one kind of thing, you know, when you're with friends of people, you know, their kids are the same age and whatever. And, and people, young moms tend to judge each other, which is terrible, but I put some responsibility on my kids and I kind of got a little heat for it. And I was like, do you know what we were capable of doing when we were little? <laughs> In my household, <laughs> if they've got to do this, this is pretty harmless compared. And, and it's not that you're being neglectful, but you're like, you push them to grow and, and to, to take that responsibility and kind of take the bull by the horns and be like, I can do this. Plus it shows faith in that child that we, we trust them to do these responsibilities as well. So um, yeah, it, it's, the book is going to leave you with some questions. Um and getting back to those those heavier books where you get all the information at once, I felt like if I would have, originally it was two books, and then I chopped it in half <laughs> because I, I wasn't able to develop the stories the way that I wanted to. Okay. Um, so I picked an end point and I said, okay, I'll do tell, like an end age, I guess, because it's chronological. And once I moved, was able to, slice it then I was able to you know give you a clearer picture about what the house looked like and what you know like I like to, yeah. yeah all the all the meaty good details because I've I've been an author in my brain for a lot like my whole life I was the kid that was um picked in my English class to go into a special English class for advanced readers or advanced actually ironically enough wasn't the best reader fantastic writer that's since come but that comes with some confidence right right I had none of that as a kid even though you know you're being very much dependent on the spotlight in the small town was shining on our family which made it pretty easy for a lot of other things to happen in the community behind you know behind closed doors but but that wasn't where the spotlight was being shone. Um, so yeah, it was. I was able to make the book exactly what I wanted for the reader to have a really good experience of being able to immerse themselves. Some people have said, you know, it's like I was sitting on your shoulder. Um, the comments have been that people can't put it down. They're reading it in 24 hours, staying so up. Where can, so where can they get the book from? So, you know, my yeah. listeners, they know where to go. I'm going to have everything in the description. But I, for those of us, for those who like to just listen, where can they get the book? 
Okay, so it's on, uh, you can go to my website, which is authordianalee.com. L-E-E -E is Lee, and Diana's with one N. <laughs> uh, Amazon has it. Um, any any of your bookstores that, um, you know, Indigo, I don't know, Kohl's, that's in Canada. Barnes and Nobles, lots of those stores. If they don't have it in store, you can order it on their on, online. And um, yeah. It's Tell us the name of it one more time, the name of the book. Yeah, Silently Said, A Journey Through Illness and Addictions. Okay, so I, like I said, I will make sure that that is in the description so you all can go and click on and support her and get the book because I feel like it's going to be a great book. One of the things, like I said, I'm a storyteller, so I love stories, whether we're telling a story or we're reading a story. But I, I love when stories have how you came over. It has a good ending. It shows, you know, the strength that you endured to make it through. And I'm sure those stories in the book are letting people know, yeah, we went through this, but we came out and we did this and the other. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing your story and telling us about your book. Um, I'm encouraging my listeners to go out and support you and to get one of the books. So Thank you for being here and just for telling an amazing story. Thank you so much, Miss B. This has been wonderful. I am so excited that you took the time to listen. I pray that these stories or something we have said will make you think about your story and how it has impacted your life. If you like what you hear, Please share, don't keep a good thing to yourself, subscribe, and support. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn at Miss V the Storyteller. All right, friends, thanks for listening. Bye.